Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Heroes Group with our roundtable partner, Veteran Advocacy Project. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Military Appreciation Caregiver Month, and it's also Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, May 28, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer, producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. We have our partner with us today, Brent G. Filbert. He's with the retired 30 years U.S. Navy veteran, worked at the Pentagon, professor and the director of military law at the veteran advocacy project and also a panelist with us amy holzer she's uh holzer weber i'm sorry director of the civil practice at the veterans advocacy project we're going to talk about housing issues and rights for veterans um so we want to talk about a little a few things i'm gonna give you a little background on amy she works to keep veterans in housing particularly when it comes to evictions rent and repair disputes also, rights for veterans. And before joining the Veterans Advocacy Project, has an impressive resume. Previously supported the magistrate in Brooklyn Family Court. Also presided over cases in child support, spousal support, and paternity. She was also the, the project director of the Mobile Legal Help Center at the New York Legal Assistance Group. And notably represented survivors of intimate partner violence and family matrimonial and immigration matters. And she's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League before getting her law degree from the University of Connecticut Law School, where she was the co-symposium editor of the Connecticut Law Review. Welcome to our show. Hey, Sean. Good to, good to be with you again. Great to be with you guys. So tell us about housing issue and also rights for, for veterans, and what are you guys working on in that area? Uh, Sean, so let me just, I'll, I'll kick it off first by just um, uh, asking Amy to uh, just to address um, I mean, she sort of, just has a terrific background in in, uh, in this area and helping veterans. But first, I think that would be the sort of frame the issue. What is the what is the homelessness issue for veterans in the United States like? Um, and and then start from there. And then also, what what happens or what she can do to help a veteran who's facing eviction or other uh, housing issues? So, Amy, could you go ahead and uh, kick that off? Sure, and thank you for having me. Um, so the, in the United States, um, according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, um, approximately 40,056 veterans are homeless on any given night. Over the course of a year, twice that many experience homelessness. Of Americans, there are 7% that are veterans, but nearly 13% of all of those are homeless. Our veterans. Um, so, what we are able to do is bring um, is help those veterans seek assistance um, in housing court um, and with um, accessing services so that they can be rehoused. So, how is that process like? So, what is the what's the first step? First, identifying people that are homeless. And then how do you uh, find quality housing for them? So 
uh, for us at the Veteran Advocacy Project, um, many most people will come to us either through a partner site um, or through or they will contact us themselves. Um, for veterans that are seeking assistance, they can um, contact um, the, uh, the VA Medical Center and go there for um, assistance. There is also a national call center for homeless veterans. Um, and so, and that number is on um, the VA webpage as well. Um, but it's a national call center that not only vets can access, but also their um, families or others that are concerned um, for them. So they could, um, so if they're accessing the VA medical center or if they're accessing that number, they will then be um, connected with a VA staff, a staff member who can then assist them um, with. Uh, either accessing the programs, if that is what they need, um, or possibly uh, legal assistance as well. Okay. And then um, is there, like a, is there a, a, um, a bounty of, of, of homes or shelters or for people to go to? Is there, or is it, what's, this, what's, this, what's the supply chain look like on that end of it? Because I think a lot of people get concerned that there's nothing for them. So shelter-wise, I think, is very much dependent on the area that you're in. But as far as specific veteran programs, um, there is um, uh, SSVF, which is Supportive Services for Veterans Families. And these are grants that are provided to private nonprofits to assist veterans um, in these um, these facilities, these organizations that get these grants, um, provide case management and supportive services to prevent um, the imminent loss of veterans' homes. Um, and so, and they're also able to help them rehome um, or rehouse both vets and their families. So these grants, um, if a veteran was to um, go on to the VA um, website there um, or contact the VA Medical Center or the um, National Call Line, they can then um, be provided with a organization in their area that would be able to provide these services. Now, there are some requirements that go along with them for SSVF services. Um, there's income requirements, um, but that is those um, grants are able to help veterans um uh, look for new home, for housing, um, help them um, in the housing process. There is also what's called a HUD va- um, BASH voucher, which is a collaborative program between um, HUD's housing choice vouchers and uh, rent- with rental assistance and VA case management um, and supportive services. So that generally the veteran would need to go through um, a uh, Department of Homeless Services facility to be screened for that voucher. But that voucher then is a voucher that one can bring to um, to a, a home to be able um, to assist with living in that home with the, with the monetary, um, uh, with the rent or with, you know, it, it would be rental assistance. So they, that would assist them with the rent. So those are different ways that veterans are able um, to access the um, services um, to help them um, with rehousing and also um SSVF sometimes provides rental assistance as well um, if, if a veteran finds themselves um, in need of that. Um, and there's basically, you know, veterans come to us and they're, I, they're one of the first questions we ask is, are, do you want to remain in your home or do you want, are, are you looking to move? Because that will change the litigation part. I mean, I'm representing the veterans in court 
And so it, it's a different, a different um, theory of the case or a different way we would work the case depending on what the ultimate goal of that veteran and their family is. So what do you, what, um, from your experience in dealing with and representing uh, uh, veterans and trying to help them stay in their homes or find new housing or basically assisting in, in their uh, their financial issues, what are the main causes of that you see of these financial burdens? Someone coming because it's hard to I think for a lot of people to understand how someone can go into a something as as honorable as the military and then come out and then find themselves in economic straits. So, sure. um, so look, go ahead, Amy. I mean, I'm happy to jump in or whatever, but um, I, I would just say, and Amy and I were talking about this before the show, is that, um, I mean, one of the, one of the primary factors is uh, mental health issues coming out of the military. So PTSD, traumatic brain injury, being the victim of a sexual assault, uh, those veterans in that situation uh, just to have significantly higher numbers of homelessness um, and housing issues than veterans who, who don't have those problems. Um, Amy, I don't know. I don't know. You want to jump in there and add, 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 add more to that? But that's the numbers bear that out, and that's definitely our experience um, in representing veterans. Definitely, um, I think. And I mean, there's you know. Homeless in general are dealing with a shortage of affordable housing, especially right now, um, and um, having a livable income, um, access to health care, um, all of, you know, all of what the homeless in the United States are dealing with in general are also being, are also um being dealt with by the, by veterans in addition to the, often the mental health, um, issues that they are needing to deal with. Um, and I, I think, you know, with in housing, there is, you receive a lot of different notices. You receive, um, the court is, is not always easy. And I think if, if you're, if you're suffering from mental health, um, from mental health illness, you're, it makes it that much harder to be following up on, you know, the different court notices that you're receiving, the different, um, uh, landlord notices or even dealing with a landlord is that much more difficult if you're also dealing with your own medical issues and your own personal issues. And so I think you see an intersection with many homeless, but especially in the veteran community when they're dealing with so many, with their own different issues and then having to then, um, also deal with, with the housing issue, which is a, you know, can often be a full-time job of them having to, you know, to ascertain what it is that's going on and the legal ease. And, um, you know, I work with um, veterans in um, representing in non-payment cases and holdovers and HP actions. Um, but one of the big things is that when somebody gets um, often, so in order to bring a case, you can't have self-help um, in most states in the United States. A landlord cannot just say, I don't want you to live here anymore and change the lock. That's not allowed. Right. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but legally it's not allowed. Um, but what they do is so what they have to do is bring the veteran to court um, and bring anybody to court, but bring the veteran and their family to court before they can file that court paper. Those court papers, they need to file. Um, they need to send notice mm-hmm. um, to the veteran. And this is for foreclosure and evictions, or is this just for for one or the other? Does this work? Does the process um, so, work the same for evictions and foreclosures? 
No, there are different um, laws in place for foreclosures. There are still notice requirements, um, but they are different than for um, evictions in a rental um, in a rental process. Um, and in the rental process, the, the notices that have to be provided, there are requirements that go along with them, but they are often, the notices, in my opinion, are sometimes beefed up, so to speak, so they get scarier um, from the landlord. And so it sounds, so they'll send a notice saying, you need to be out by May 30th or, um, and it's, it's basically, or we go to court, mm-hmm. but I've seen other things added there, or they'll just say, you must be out by May 30th. And so somebody gets this notice and it's scary and nobody wants to be homeless and to lose their house. And I think there is also, um, you know, people don't want the marshal coming to their door and literally kicking them out, mm-hmm. you know, that there's a, social element, in my opinion, of that as well. Um, and so I have spoken to many veterans who, you know, I'm on, I, there was one specifically that on um, the intake coordinator contacted me on a Friday night and said, this veteran just received this notice and sent it to me, and he's packing, and he was literally packing to move out that night. And this was not a notice of eviction. This was a notice that you had until whatever date to move out, or they would bring a court case. But the veteran didn't understand that, and so the veteran was packing. Um, and that's, you know, that's obviously the right if they want to leave, but they didn't have to leave. And I think there, that sometimes with, if people don't contact legal services or other services to receive help, they're misinformed and that they could have stayed in that apartment. And often there are... Um, defenses to these cases as well. So you might owe money, but the landlord might not have done X, Y, Z that they were supposed to do. And unless you go to court or you're, you um, have a back and forth with the other side, then you're not going to know that. And so I think the first step should always be to try to access an attorney to see what your rights are before, um, before leaving and before getting um, completely, you know, overwhelmed by the situation. And that's what people, get, I think, get afraid of is that the, for the person who is being evicted or being foreclosed on, they feel like they can't afford an attorney. So how do they access um, um, services like yours or organizations like yours where they can get some kind of help, legal help, and they have to come out of pocket with it to be able to get some kind of uh, defense? So they're, you know, we're based in New York City, and because um, – uh, housing law is state-based. Um, it's we can only practice in New York State. That being said, I think that um, contacting um, the legal legal aid in their area. Um, there's um, they also they can um, people can veterans can contact us and we even if we can't represent them because it's out of state, we will provide referrals. So we will look into other. Um, you know, we're able to access different platforms and, and know um, what type of case they have and then be able to refer them. And I think that is sometimes lost that it, a lot, you know, we, people that are not lawyers don't necessarily understand what type of case they have. Mm-hmm. And so it's that much harder to then find an attorney if you don't know what type of attorney you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think if you contact the Veteran Advocacy Project, and even if we're not able to help, we're able to do an intake, figure out what the problem is, 
and then refer to, um, you know, to a place that might be able to assist. Um, generally speaking, though, legal aids in the various um, areas that people live would be a good place to start. Um, also, the, um, you know, the VA Medical Center, if they're able to connect them with an SSVF-funded um, program, they're then often able to refer as well. So a lot of our cases um, come from uh, SSVF-funded um, sites as well as the VA, um, and so we're able to cross-refer to different people. So I think if, as long as a veteran gets connected to one um, or at least one place, one place to help them, they can then request those services um, from there. Okay. So let me ask you this, because this there's an economic component to this, and this is for Brent and for you, Amy. So the landlord is, you know, you have different um, levels for, um, of, of landlords. You, mean you, have, you have corporate landlords where it's a huge corporation maybe owning a lot of property, and, they, and one unit may not be a big financial burden to them, but they're still looking at the bottom line. But then you have small landlords, it may be a mom and pop, and maybe there's an unfortunate situation where a person's not paying rent. So now, they're in, particularly after this pandemic, we had a lot of moratoriums on evictions and things. How do you how do you navigate the economic part of it um, when possibly the building itself could be at risk to going into foreclosure? And you might have a tenant in there who's a veteran. Um, is there any kind of financial reprieve for the landowner or for the tent or for the owner of the property? Ms. Brent can uh, maybe can start so, with that. Or, yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, go ahead, Amy. This is more your area than, than mine, but uh, go ahead. Um, so we don't represent landlords uh, generally in cases, so I will start with that. That being said, there are um, specifically right now I can think of the ERAP program um, that is helping, um, it's helping tenants pay for rent, but it's going to the landlords in and so that I think that has been helping to an extent I, um, on both sides. Um, but I do believe there are other programs available for landlords. I'm not, I don't practice in that area to be able to say specifically. Um, but I do think in court that is also discussed. And so, you know, and ultimately if we're representing a tenant, a veteran, a tenant that's a veteran, and we are assisting them with um obtaining grants for back rent with, you know, that will ultimately help the landlord because then the landlord is getting that money. So um, when I say defenses, it's not necessarily to not pay rent. It's right. to find a way to pay the rent or to figure out how to best go forward. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that often helps both sides. Um, and especially, I mean, there are programs out there, there are grants out there that veterans and others are often not aware of that exist that can help. Um, and again, obviously, if a tenant gets a grant to pay, I mean, some of the ERAP money that has been given um, has been substantial. And so that then obviously helps the landlord because they then have that back rent. So, um, it, so I, I don't, but I, but I don't specifically uh, represent the, the landlords in those cases. Mm. Brian, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I would say that the um, the other part to it is with that with veterans who are having housing issues, um, it's often because they have mental health issues coming out of the service and maybe have a negative discharge that is keeping them from 
getting access to VA for health care, for disability compensation. It helps with, it keeps them from getting a job. So the other part for the veteran that, that we do is try and get their discharge upgraded to something where they have access to, access to that. So then they have income to pay for rent and they don't get themselves in these situations. So it's a little bit of a vicious circle for veterans who, who have mental health issues and become homeless because often they don't have access to the things they need to be able to pay rent and that sort of thing. So that's a whole other component um, that you and I have talked about before that really is a big factor in getting veterans in a situation where they don't, you know, can't pay rent. But when, once they get that fixed, it's amazing because then they have no problem taking care of those things. And it really helps everybody, including the landlords, um, to have um, somebody in place there who has that sort of stability of income and in their life. So that's very important. This is my last question because we're running a little bit out of time. So, Amy, is how sustainable has this been so far? So the people that, have you, that you've helped in your, in your experience, um, do they, they tend to stay in, in their properties long term or is it more of a temporary uh, fix? Um, so I will qualify that I've, um, you know, I haven't been at, I've been at the Veteran Advocacy Project since February. Um, but I've been doing this work for a while. Um, I think that... I think the key goes back to that first decision of do you want to stay in the apartment or are you looking to leave? And if the decision is they want to stay, then I think that it is of a more long term because then you're a lot of these programs are actually not going to give the money unless there is a plan going forward as to how they're going to stay in the apartment. So I think that's a very, um, at least for me, that's a very important first conversation because you don't want to get a veteran into the position that they paid we got the rent paid off and now they're earning five dollars more which i've seen a month than the rent that's Mm -hmm. not sustainable Mm -hmm. so we you know we need to have that conversation and determine is there more benefits out there and that's also when the referrals within our organization are helpful because are there benefits that the veteran is not accessing that they may be able to access which would then provide more income. Um, is there a voucher that's available that would pay part of the um, rent and then they wouldn't have to pay the entire thing so it's sustainable long term? Um, you know, I, I think most people want to remain in their apartments. They want to pay. They want, you know, they want it to be sustainable. And I do think that it is as long as you have those conversations and you really think about it ahead of time. Um, but I have, you know, the ones that were working, I mean, I have a bunch of people that, through COVID, as we all know, there's been job loss. There's been, you know, lots of loss. And um, now they're back on their feet and they just needed a little bit of help to get there. And now going forward, they're able to um, to stay in their jobs and stay um, in their apartments. Amy, um, Amy? So I do think it's sustainable. Amy, I'm glad you have on the show. This was a great conversation. Amy Hoser-Weber and Brent G. Filbert. Thanks for your time, and thanks for being on our show again. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.